Welcome to the first episode of the Roundtable Podcast. I'm your host, Q, and my host to the side of me, well, not side of me, but from the virtual side of me, is the host, Sang. How you doing, man? Oh, man, I'm good, man. I'm, I'm happy to finally uh, be getting this thing started. We've been talking about doing this for a hot minute, so to finally get the wheels going and moving forward is is exciting. I'm I've said excited like four times just because I am. <laughs> That's, yeah, it was a long time coming. We talked so much trash to each other about sports and who we like and who we don't like. We don't get a chance to actually like put it into some productive uh, critiques and opinions. So this is a good podcast to start off on. Uh, how have you been staying in shape as far as the quarantine with the gyms being closed? I got to ask you that first because the audience doesn't know how much of a gym rat you are. Uh, well, you can only do so many push-ups, man. I, I promise you can only do so many. I've, uh, I've adopted a ton of body weight resistance, uh, core stuff that I would otherwise, um, neglect mm-hmm. and have even got going with some stretching yoga. And at first, like, I felt like I absolutely needed to do something. You know, my, right. my brain was going crazy. Then I had the realization that this might be that time that I needed to uh, go ahead and let my body relax. Because, like you said, a big gym rat. So right. for the last 10, 12 years, I've been beating the crap out of myself. And my muscles are finally getting the opportunity to recover. So I'm taking advantage of that now. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, just getting back to doing more cardio as far as myself. Uh, I neglected so much in the gym. Now that I have no choice but to go for a run or do calisthenics or push up sit or whatever, I find myself like I'm really out of shape. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was in, thought I was in shape, but I'm not as in shape as I thought I was. Yeah, we I, look. I fell victim to that too. Went out and ran with the dogs, and we made it to the end of the block, and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> really?" <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm glad that um. It's like not a blessing in a curse. I'm glad I just had some extra time to do more cardio. Um, yeah. Have you, with the sports being down, with all the major sports, MLB, NHL, NBA, NFL, have, um, have you got a chance to watch the uh, Michael Jordan documentary? I just got caught up, I think, uh, Thursday. I officially got caught up on it. All. I, I initially wasn't going to watch it just because um, – in my old age here, I've stopped uh, paying attention to um, commentary and interviews when it comes mm-hmm. down to sports. And I just right. kind of, because I have a decent understanding of how things are supposed to work. So I'll just watch it for myself, right, and right. gauge what I see. Um, and I was under, before watching the documentary, I was just like, okay, so how many other ways can we paint him as the GOAT now? <laughs> and <laughs> I thought that this uh, documentary would do nothing more than paint this picture once again of Jordan as the goal. And while it has, it made it, to me, it made him seem more human. Yeah, absolutely. I, I got a love hate relationship with Jordan. Um, I, I, when everybody liked Michael Jordan back when we were growing up in the nineties, I didn't like Jordan. I wanted, I wanted Gary Payton to win a ring. I wanted Carl Malone to get his ring, and I didn't really pay attention to his greatness. I used to think 
perhaps Jordan was a little overrated just because uh-huh. of lack of, I guess you could say lack of knowledge and just being a true de- from Detroit, he's from Chicago type ordeal. And I didn't want to give him any credit, but as I watched his documentary, uh, I find myself respecting him more. And then it's kind of like with Tom Brady, like I hate the Patriots, but now Tom Brady is of age. I can, I can say he's the GOAT. And with Michael, I- I'll give him GOAT status. I just hate the fact at times how we dismiss all the other great players compared uh-huh. to Jordan because it seemed like if you're not good as Jordan or you're not compared, then you're nothing. And I, I hate that narrative that they do with the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan's. Right. No, uh, I'll second that. Um, when we have those GOAT conversations, though, I it's always super subjective to begin with. And then on top of that, there's one too many greats that have come before, after, and even after uh, Bron and all those guys leave that are going to be that great. And you can't single out one player in the thousands of players that have played professionally as just the end-all, be-all for the greatest. Like, was he the greatest of his era? Sure, I'll give you that. Um, But to say that, you know, he's number one over – Everybody like we had Kareem. Like Kareem doesn't get yeah. enough. Bill Russell don't get any, don't get any love. Larry Bird, I'm gonna get hung for that one. But Larry <laughs> Bird don't get any love. You know what I'm saying? And like with Kareem, I look at some of his stats. Just him being the National Player of the Year, him winning a national title with uh, John Wooden, then coming into the league. Uh, being a number was he's a, the all-time leading scorer in the NBA history. Right. Just looking at those stats, winning the titles with the Lakers, and I just look I'm like, wow, they really dismiss him a lot as uh, the greatest. Uh, he came up with the hook shot; people couldn't stop it. He was a seven-footer. Um, it just it's like you said, subjective too, is because it's kind of just your opinion, you know. Right. I'm. Some like what was a few years ago. I was on the LeBron bandwagon. I still like LeBron, but I was on the LeBron bandwagon saying he was the goat. Even and just I was a prisoner of time, I guess you could say. And you know, I didn't really just sit down. But it's just your opinion, pretty much, of who's the goat. Who's, uh, I guess you could say, who is the greatest of all time at this point in time? Because you never know. Like yeah. in the next ten years, we'll say, oh well. Giannis, he, he's probably one of the greatest. Or Zion, he's look what he's done over the past 10 years. Just, each era has their greatest. And I think a lot of times we dismiss all the other players because of Jordan and how he changed the league and his right. um, loyal fans. No, I totally agree. And I mean, for me, my go to Shaq. And I will fight somebody tooth and nail as to why I have Shaq where he is. When um, I, I know for me, when you have that conversation of, go in anything we're talking about players that have made rule changes if someone has caused the the shape of um the sport that they're playing in to change that puts them in a goat status to me like the zones were added because no one could uh stay in front of Shaq in a one-on-one scenario he needed you needed somebody else to beat on him before uh that in the free throw line um, yeah. were the only two things that kind of slowed him down and food. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, for me, he's been my goat. And that 
I won't dispute someone saying, oh, LeBron's the GOAT. That may work for you. It is what it is, but that doesn't dismiss my own opinion behind um, who I I hold at that that high pedestal. And, yeah. Yeah, uh, same here, like, with me. Uh, Honestly, my favorite player of all time was Kobe. Uh, I liked Mm -hmm. Kobe since 97. I had the NBA core side with Kobe Bryant. Like, I had his... I did have a rookie jersey. It's somewhere in my grandma's house. I got to find it. Um, I've been liking Kobe a lot. Like, if I, I like Kobe. I don't know if I would say he's the GOAT, but if you ask me, I'll put him number two or number three just because of uh, what he who he went against as well. Um, I feel like mm-hmm. his, his level of competition, I know that's kind of hard for people to digest, but I feel like his level of competition might have been a little bit better than Michael Jordan's, although Michael Jordan did go against some Hall of Famers, I don't think that with the, you know, as far as Kobe going against the Spurs team, the Celtics when they had the big three, um, going against mm-hmm. a prime D Rose, a Durant and Westbrook coming in the league. Like he went against a lot of people. And then also back in the early 2000s, McGrady, Vince, Allen Iverson, like he went against a lot of greats. And I think he doesn't get enough credit for it. I don't want to say it now since he's, you know, passed away, but I think we kind of leave him out the discussion of the go and Shaq. I think Shaq, although he was the most dominant player of all time, like he's very like underrated because they all just, automatically put a King Melanjuan over Shaq. And then I kind of argued that myself. Like, I mean, yeah, uh, you know, King was good. He had the footwork and everything, but I I don't know, man. I don't know if I could put him over Shaq just like that. And we're talking skill base, you know, you got to go skill base. You had the footwork and everything else that uh, Hakeem did on, on the post. Uh, he was the only center that I ever saw with the crossover. Yeah. Um, and I mean, if you're going from that standpoint, then yeah, we have a, a, a discussion. But if you, if I'm going to say here, take this ball and go get, go win me a game, I would take Shaq over Hakeem eight times. Well, not even eight times out of ten, ten times out of ten, right? Because he's going to get whoever it is in foul trouble, and then at some point they're just going to stop hitting them. Yeah, he's literally Shaq changed the game because they came up with the hack and Shaq rule. And, you know, Popovich used that a lot in the playoffs against Shaq. And now you see coaches today, they use it on DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond, or uh, even sometimes they'll use it on uh, Clint Capella. They'll mm-hmm. just keep hacking them and put them to the line and they'll take the chance of, okay, he might sink one, but I don't see him sinking two or I don't see him sinking a hundred percent from the free throw line. So Shaq definitely made that, a rule in the NBA that's going to last forever. So anyone that's even like point guards, they're not good free throw shooters. They're going to follow. I even notice like with LeBron, a lot of times players don't mind following LeBron because it's like a 50-50 shot of him making free throws. And his free throw percentage is not as good as you could say like a point guard, like a um, Rondo or Chris Paul. Put him to the line, yeah. LeBron might, <laughs> he might miss both or only hit one. Um, with watching the documentary, they talked about the rivalry between the Bad Boys and the Chicago Bulls that was in the late 80s all the way to the early 90s. Uh, I want to get your opinion. How did you feel when the Bulls won and the Pistons walked off the court and they didn't shake the Bulls' hands? How did you feel about it? Did you think 
that was poor sportsmanship or you just think that's part of the game? How would you feel if you were Michael Jordan or on the Bulls? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a pretty good question. Uh, I was thinking about it uh, last night. Uh, before the, for the record, uh, Joe Dumars was the only person to shake everybody's hand. He didn't walk off when everyone else did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it later came out that Lambert was the one that uh, put put it out there that they weren't going to shake hands and they were going to just uh, – they're just going to walk off the court and what have you. Um, at first, seeing it as a child, uh, it definitely looked like poor sportsman. Uh, poor sportsmanship because you're supposed to shake your hand, right. shake the hand of your opponent, win, lose, or draw. That's just what it is. Good game and move on. But uh, getting a chance to watch the documentary as well as um, seeing the perspective from uh, Zeke and hearing – what Jordan was saying about them being bad champions and everything else. I, I'm going to keep it a buck. I probably wouldn't have shook his hand. He's not finna have, right. we're not finna have you out here talking reckless and being the, uh, the figure that he was in sports and having the pull that he did to bad mouth. It, it only takes, if you have that kind of influence, it doesn't take much for you to not like something or someone for everyone else to follow suit. So I could just see them losing endorsements, money, and everything else just because my man said, hey, they bad champions. Yeah, they are bad champions. People <laughs> not thinking about it. So, yeah, I would I would have had that same energy. And um, Boston also did it to them, which gets overlooked. Like, nah, nah, Boston did it to the Pistons, but whatever. They shouldn't have did that to Jordan. So it's okay that the Celtics walked off and didn't shake anybody's hand. But since we're talking about the bad boys – uh, that's where the problem comes into play. Yeah, you know, and I also think about just at that time, I was researching a little bit about it and how Michael Jordan, even before that season started, him and the Bulls were in newspapers just uh, pretty much hating on the Pistons when they won. They weren't real champions. They didn't earn mm-hmm. it. Uh, the level of play, it was just kind of like it, it was on some – you know, some crying is like they were just <laughs> crying about it. And they ended up beating the Pistons and which was great. And Detroit missed to this day. Hey, we got the throne. We lost. It was their time to shine. Um, mm-hmm. People don't really give Jordan as much flack as they do LeBron because Michael lost. Although he's undefeated in the finals, never won the game. So he had a pretty heavy losing streak in the playoffs from the 84, 85 season or 85, 86, all the mm-hmm. way up to that point. Like they'll win maybe a couple series and then they will never beat them. They lost to the Pistons three playoffs in a row. Yeah. Um, and in the heat of the moment, they didn't shake their hand. I mean, it is what it is. They know there was a rivalry. They said like things about Detroit as far as a city, as a Michigan, as a state in those newspaper clippings and pretty much Detroit was just like, okay, y'all won, but we're not going to uh, act like we're buddy, buddy. That's yeah. part of rivalry. And when you're in a rivalry, I mean, if I'm in a rivalry with uh, anyone, I'm not shaking their hand just right away and being cool like that. Let the tensions, you know, come down and let things play out. But they just, to this day, the Bulls still, doesn't like that. I'm like, dude, you guys win six championships and you worry about this team <laughs> didn't shake your hand. And you're right. Boston, Boston will never get the 
uh, criticism that I feel like they deserve at times because, you know, they talk about the big three as far as... Um, I forgot how much you despise Boston. Oh, man, I'm a Lakers fan. I don't, I'm trying not to cuss, but I don't F with Boston, man. I don't F with none of them. And I, and I will say, like, I don't... The Celtics now in 2019, 2020, I like Jason Tatum. I like him. I like... um, He's a dog. Yeah, I like Jalen Brown. I even like Kimma being over there. So I like him, but it's still the Celtics, so I don't mess with him. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, they don't... They had a big three They had three Hall of Famers. They had even four. They had Walton coming off the bench, even though he was in his later years. Um, Uh They, like you said, they... They didn't shake uh, Isaiah in them hands. They might, and I don't think Isaiah and Pistons took it to heart. I don't think they were mad about it. They understood it, and they were just doing what they were taught and what was how the league was given to them. Because once Boston lost, Boston pretty much kind of fell off, and it was the Pistons' turn for a good three to four years. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think um, I don't think it's such a big deal. But again, we're not in the midst of the playoffs. I guess Jordan feel like everyone should bow down in house, of course, because he's the greatest. But um, let me ask you this: How did you feel? I don't know if you've heard of this. That the reason why Isaiah wasn't on the dream team is because he didn't shake the Bulls' hand. I I don't know how much truth is there because uh, I think initially, um, I think it was what was that a what's it called round table maybe. Uh-huh. And, uh, they had all the old guys on there and they were talking about uh, just random things within uh, their time of playing. And uh, Isaiah sat down on the couch and mentioned that uh, Scotty Pippen was the one that said he didn't want him on the dream team. And then uh, a clip cut to Scotty saying those words verbatim. I didn't want him on the dream team. Right. And Magic uh-huh. writes a book that says nobody wanted Isaiah on that team. It had nothing to do with Michael saying uh, he can't, he shouldn't be on the team, so on and so forth. Like, mm-hmm. nobody that was playing wanted him on the team for, I don't even know what reason they would not want him on the team, but it was a collective thought. But because they had that tension there uh, with Jordan, Pip, and the Bulls, it, I guess it sold more papers mm-hmm. for it to be that versus saying, like, the whole dream team didn't want him, up, uh, want him to play on it. I think Isaiah Thomas has that. Chris Paul syndrome where he's a he's a good player but people just don't like him they just cannot get along with that dude and I think that's what <laughs> happened with Isaiah him and Magic were cool but I think too that he he has a for him to be little he has a you know like a dog in him he has an aggressive you know maybe like you said short man complex I don't know it could be that uh, is he really that little though ain't he like 6'2 six, 6'3 six, uh, Isaiah's like five eleven. He's like six or six foot. He wasn't um, he wasn't that tall. Uh, I think that especially back then, it was so many alpha males with Larry, Magic, uh-huh. Michael. Then you have I looked at the you know the dream team. I was looking at Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Patrick Union. They're all the leaders, alphas on their team. And you just adding that one more piece. Uh, yeah, it might have things might have went you know crazy as far as like chemistry as far as uh people getting along getting in fights and whatnot so maybe they didn't want Mm -hmm. him on the team for that reason but as i was reading up on it they you know the argument is why was john stockton on the team and isaiah thomas wasn't 
And then the alternate, if John Stockton had got hurt, it wasn't Isaiah's alternate. It was it's his Joe team. D, wasn't it? Yeah, his teammate Joe Dumars. So <laughs> I was like, damn, that they must really didn't like him for yeah. whatever reason. Um, I think too is that Jordan was pretty much the money maker in the league. Like he was the uh the new the new king, if you will. He was right. the one that was changing the league and these players are getting more paid. And they're like, Okay, we rolling with Jordan. Even the Everybody they want on the team. I think Jordan set the president. He set the tone of it. And uh-huh. people were just like, yeah, I'm with you, Jordan. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. I am. We cool. Because him and Magic, Isaiah, Magic, they, they was cool. They were a little too cool. They was kissing and shit. On, you know, I, you know, I wouldn't be doing all that on the court. I don't know how it was back in the 80s and 90s. I know. You know, but I, I'm not kissing no dude on the on the court. They they like it, whatever. They ain't cool with it. But they were like real like good friends. And I read this article too by this reporter, and it was like real. It was real good. And he said that a lot of tension come from the Michael jo- uh, Michael Jordan Isaiah Thomas beef or rivalry is because Isaiah was born and raised in Chicago. Um, did great things in high school, went to Indiana, won a national title mm-hmm. with Bob Knight. And he got to the league in like 81 or 82 or something like that. Man, two or three years later, Jordan comes, he gets drafted to Chicago, and now he's like the beloved. Like his own family stopped really asking him for tickets to see him, but more or less like, hey, you got tickets to the Bulls game? And they were rocking Jordan jerseys. So I think a lot of that tension from Isaiah, you know, side, he felt kind of betrayed because, right. hey, it's like, man, man I can see that. you ain't repping me. I'm, I was born and raised here. I put y'all on the map and y'all giving him all the credit. So maybe that's, maybe that's what it, <laughs> the problem could be started. And then I heard that also, um, I guess there was an all-star game in 85 and Jordan was a rookie, made the all-star team. He was a first year, second year player. And pretty much they didn't pass the ball to Jordan. They shut him down, shut him out of the all-star game. And I don't think Michael ever forgot that. And he took that to heart. So this was a lot of stuff going on with that rivalry. I agree. Go back to something we were saying about uh, Jordan's influence though. Who said that, uh, Jordan said, I ain't rocking with him, and everybody else followed suit. And I yeah. think that kind of is what led to that whole thing of not shaking hands. Man, got that kind of influence. Like, oh, don't rock with them. Everybody around him because yeah. that's the cash cows. The moneymaker for the league says don't do it. Like, yeah. All right, well, we ain't rocking with him then. Then <laughs> messing up my money. You messing with my bag. Dog. I can't have that. Right. And at I think that, that point, yeah, we ain't got nothing to talk about. That right there pretty much ended the Pistons ended the Isaiah's career. He had, had that injury, Achilles injury. Uh, he tried mm-hmm. to come back. He just, I just think it took the, the life out of them, the fun of the game. He was just over it. So he retired. Um, I want to ask you another question about the documentary. Um, what are your thoughts on Phil Jackson? Do you, you think he's the greatest coach of all time? Do you feel like he gets a little more credit than he deserves? Or do you think people are a little harsh on him, especially me from him destroying the Knicks. <laughs> but we're not going to talk he about that. He wasn't the coach of the Knicks, man. Nah. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think 
his pedigree speaks for himself. He got the players to buy in, and yeah. that's the as a coach, that's the biggest thing, biggest task that you're um, that you're gonna have come in contact with outside of developing talent mm-hmm. uh, to get the players to buy into the triangle, to get them to buy into the system of believing and um, getting the right pieces around to ensure that the team itself was successful. It does take some sort of uh, coaching to um, get to that level or to make sure that everything stays glued. Um, do I think that he's the greatest coach of all time? No, I personally think it's uh, Greg Popovich, but uh, Phil's definitely a hot number two for me. Um, yeah. As far as like modern ball, uh, mm-hmm. you have the the big goats from the Wilt days that mm-hmm. I didn't get the opportunity to watch, but um, Phil falls. Phil did what he was supposed to do. Um, overrated, kind of like overrated in the sense of like Bill Belichick being overrated, having the right people around him that bought into what it was that he was teaching and the luck of the draw, deflated ball here or there. Um, but everything spun in their direction for them to be successful. If he didn't get those championships, I don't think that we would be having that conversation of, uh, is he the greatest coach of all? Or if he didn't get uh, Mike for 13 years, was it 13 years? Mm. Well, we could say yeah. six years because that's when he got them chips. And then to turn around and get Shaq and Kobe and go three or four. Right. So, I mean, the luck of the draw kind of helped them and getting the players to buy in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know our friend Will is going to get enjoyment out of this, but I, I guess I agree with you that Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. I never thought <laughs> I'd say that out of my own mouth because it comes like I hate the Celtics and then the Spurs are next, like they're number two. And then maybe yeah. Dallas is number three. I don't really like them as much. But uh, just over the years, just seeing um, how yeah. Popovich is able to, uh, I guess you could say, take players that, just kind of like you said, like Bill Belichick takes players that you might not be aware of and turn them into like key role players or even stars. Mm-hmm. Um, I always feel that without Popovich, I don't think Kawhi Leonard would be as the top player as he is now without his, uh, you know, practicing and coaching and mm-hmm. putting in those, in those scenarios, especially when they went against Miami, uh, them losing the finals, them winning again and, having those experiences, people don't really understand Kawhi's been to three finals already in his career. So he's two out of one. Um, yeah. But, but, you know, with Phil Jackson, I think that he was like the calm, cool collective. He kind of understood the madness with those egos of Jordan and Pippen, and especially in the documentary when they talk about how Pippen – he was like, F it, I'm not getting no surgery over the summer. I want to enjoy my summer. I get it in the beginning of the season, having to deal with that and being understanding. And, you know, that takes a hell of a, like, inner peace within you when you guys are, yeah. you know. He, Phil Jackson knew that that was his last year, and he wanted to get number uh, number three, or who was it, number six, with uh, actually wanted to get yeah. number six with um, that team. And just knowing that, one of your star players doesn't want to play because of money issues and being able to coach and turn Dennis Rodman into your Robin for the meantime and them having one of the best records in the league, that, that takes some coaching skills. You know, um, I, you know, I, I, I like Phil, 
I, feel, I like Phil the coach. I don't like Phil the GM. Hell no. Nah. Nope. You don't need him. <laughs> you got to let that go, man. Man, I'm not. The Even, triangle doesn't work in modern NBA times. It just doesn't. <laughs> it, you're right. It, it's a new game, so things are different. I mean, he still thinks it works. I have to read his book on that, but I, as I see it, it's, it's, it's kind of cluttered as you think about it. It's not a lot of spacing with that triangle. Uh, yeah, so like, and I actually saw it on the documentary, how it's formed. That was the first time of me actually knowing how it works. And I could see at that time, because you had a person in the low post and people were more posting up back then and running, you know, around their offense, around their big man. If he passes to the corner, passes to it, you know, it was mostly a, like a inside game, but now everything is three point fast break, three point. <laughs> everything right. has just changed right now. Now it's the polar opposite of what we grew up watching. And um, I, I found myself just liking the game for a very long time. It was almost unbearable to watch just because of the lack of defense and everything else. Yeah. Um, and I think I heard KG say something that resonated with me um, when you talk about like old heads will come in and talk about your era, their era being the best era of basketball, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I started to understand basketball at high level, at least uh, maybe in the early 2000s. And I thought that that was the best uh, basketball in general um, in comparison to the other eras. But the thing is, is as time changes, everything around changes too. And you can either uh, respect and accept it for what it is, or you can continue to just despise and hate on it and not get enjoyment out of it. This is the basketball that we have nowadays. This is the football that we have nowadays. Right. Our fundamentals or things that we were taught growing up aren't as big as they used to be. Are these kids uh, are these kids more fundamentally sound than some of the vets? No. Can these kids oh. jump out of the seats or jump out the gym and fill the seats? Definitely. Yeah. And that's what the game is tailored to now. And that's just what it is. It'll make a change again in five or six years and we'll adjust to that too. Yeah, you know, I as I look at the game, like so I for a year, although I was wasn't to me I wasn't healthy and I definitely wasn't in the most tip top shape. I got it was one of them things where I came to season out of shape uh for semi pro and then I worked my way like towards the end as I started getting my win back, athleticism, everything. Um as I was playing, it was hard for me to adjust. I'm so used to, hey, I'm at the low post. I'm, I'm posting the player up and getting the ball up either on the uh, on the block or kind of close to the wing. It was just mm-hmm. run and shoot, three-point, take the ball out, run, so spread the floor, have somebody to the left, have somebody to the right, pass it, take the three-point <laughs> shot. Why you didn't take the shot? And it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, this, what, this ain't the basketball I grew up playing. <laughs> man, I don't know what's going on. And it was like, some of the cats were, you know, older. And I remember um, one of the players named Chico, uh, was his, his nickname, his real name is Jonathan. But <laughs> everybody calls him Chico. He's uh, probably one of the best point guards I ever played with. And I remember him telling me in the game, he was like, hey, you just got to keep running. He said, if I have the shot, I'm going to take it. But you have to understand that the defense is even different now. Like people don't play mm-hmm. up on you. So they're giving you so much space because people are scared to get crossed or they don't want to touch you because the fouls are, you know, can't hand check. You can't, can't touch them or they're going to call a foul. So right. I kind of had to understand that. And now 
as I played that season and now watching it more of a, as a fan, I, I guess I get it now because uh, if you have that much room, I guess why not take the shot instead mm-hmm. of slowing the game down, trying to run a play and run it to the post. And then honestly, there's only a few select players now that have a good post-up game. They don't even have yeah. the fundamentals of footwork. They don't have the IQ to run in a post as much. There's some players that do, but it's a lot of them that, you know, grew up in this new era. Like I watched some of the high school mixtapes of players that's coming out and they're not dunking. They shooting threes from like half court. <laughs> that's all yeah. they're doing. They're not doing anything that to me, I can get a good grasp of how their skill level is until they're in game time situations. So I guess you're right about the game um, switching. And I guess we owe his now. We just got to accept it. Yeah, yeah, we know OGs now. You got to go ahead and just <laughs> hey, back in my day. Well, it's not your day, bro. Just let's let it go. Either stop <laughs> watching it or learn to enjoy what you have as far as the uh, the sports are concerned. And right. the next thing is diving into people like what well, is um oh I got a question for you actually now. So oh god, that's scary. Yeah, yeah. so. With the uh, inflation of use of uh, social media, you know, that's the right verbiage to use, but with the increase in use of social media for everything, um, it's coming out more and more that the the games, they're fixed. Like Vegas odds, the games are fixed, the refs mm-hmm. are in on it, and um, it's all entertainment now. It's not pure basketball like it was all those years ago. What do you think about the idea of sports being fixed and or rigged to have certain outcomes come out and they're not letting the true essence of uh, the game take over? Man, this, I hate when, (laughs) (laughs) I I literally, when I had people talk to me and either coworkers or just friends and they'll come in like, man, that game was fixed. That game was fixed. They was missing on purpose. They paid the players, and they lost on purpose. And I don't know what to say because just being someone that never ever got to the NBA level, but just playing basketball, I never wanted to lose on purpose. <laughs> I never what seen it? that. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, I'm, who's, who's paying these people? So <laughs> it bothers me that people are so in denial about that. What I will do agree is that the league does favor some of these stars with the calls Mm -hmm. with the games. Like, for example, I hate to say it, but you look at the NBA finals back in 08 when it was the Celtics versus the Lakers. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was like, you know, one of the biggest rivalries of all time in sports. So for those two teams to be back at their greatness and be in the finals, I think a lot of those playoff games when it came to Boston, when it came to LA, they were more favored to those teams because you can make more money and more uh, noise with those two teams in the finals. You can mm-hmm. bring back the legends, you can to the game, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Worthy, Mikhail. Like I can see that, but as far as like the Vegas eyes, you can be able to bet on sports and now Michigan is allowing um people to be able to bet on sports it just i don't know i i just don't i, I just don't see lebron or russell westbrook missing the shot like oh man well that's fifty thousand for me cool like i just don't see that shit but 
<laughs> I mean, people have a right to their opinion. I don't. Yeah. I, I do, you know, with the Tim Donahue, whatever his name was, the referee back in the day who pretty much was getting paid underneath the table by, uh, I don't know if he was saying like people from the mafia or the mob or whoever yeah. to make things go in the favor of teams that they bet on. So mm-hmm. that part is definitely real, but for a player just to start being trash, I don't know, man. I don't think they, I don't think they just be <laughs> like, man, I'm about to be trash today. So I can get paid. They get paid regardless and they get paid more if they win. So I think the, right. the goal of it is to win. Yeah. I would, like you, I hear it all the time. And uh, my counter argument is always, and did you play sports at any given time? <laughs> <laughs> and if the answer is yes, it goes, so you never missed a shot, right? You hit all of your free throws. You never turned right. the ball over. You never had <laughs> mental lapses. Oh, no, you could just see it now. You could just see it now? I don't see. You've never had a mental lapse while playing? Don't get me wrong. Um, can the refs influence games? Definitely. Yeah. Um, especially when you're not the home team or the team that's more favored or the uh, more popular team. The refs can definitely influence uh, the game itself, but they can only do so much. At the end of the day, the players still have to make those shots, still have to make those passes, still have to get those boards and all these other things. The refs can't do that for you. So can it be influenced in a degree? Sure, but as far as it being fixed in the sense of someone's reading a paper and knows that, uh, the 2020 NBA champion is going to be the Lakers just because mm-hmm. like, no, they're, they're going to have to go through and play. It's not, and it's they not have set to, up that way. They have to play against the other team. So mm-hmm. the team might not even be in doing this. So they, the other team is not going to either a, oh, okay, we're not going to play as much defense on them. They got to win so they can get their money. Or yeah. B, they like, all right, we going to play tough defense on them. Uh, we got to make sure they lose so we can win. Like, I don't think a player is thinking that in their head. I think the, the main goal is winning. Um, I know a lot of people think that the the Warriors and the, the Cavs, those NBA finals are rigged. And no, the Cavs just got their ass whooped. Um, <laughs> exactly. I really I didn't like the fact that they were losing like that. But no, uh-huh. they were losing. They were getting swept. I feel like a lot of things. Now you do have, like I said, referees that clearly make some bogus calls. You get that in the NFL, you get that in baseball, just yeah, you get in high school. Yeah, you know, I've been in games where I literally didn't touch a player and I got a foul, and I'm looking crazy, like, "Yo, what the hell is going on?" I didn't even touch him. I just had my hand straight up, but that's just part of the game. That's just part of the mm-hmm. game. And I think if there was some people, uh behind the scenes and they were plotting i think it would have been came out somebody would have snitched <laughs> definitely especially in the day and age that we live in now where um blowing the whistle is the cool thing to do mm-hmm. six nine <laughs> <laughs> right so um uh, before we i guess call it a first episode um, I have a couple questions for you as far as football. You actually know a little bit more about football as far as uh, the players and and mm-hmm. how it goes on the field because you played it. Um, how how do you feel about the NFL protecting their players with the you know concussion protocol and the 
helmet to helmet shots and how sometimes it feel like the NFL is being soft as far as the hits and everything. Oh, that's a good that's a good question. Actually, I feel like they're trying to take the protocols now just because of all of the uh, cases of CTE afterwards. Um, the NFL itself is extremely dangerous just because it's one of the few sports that I could think of to where the athletes don't really have guaranteed money. Um, they say that money is guaranteed and then there's a loophole to get out of paying players. Yeah. Um, unlike the NBA where their contract itself is, um, is guaranteed. And I don't know why the, the players association hasn't gotten anything more concrete as far as funding for the players. Um, I do also believe that when you're making the journey to be a professional player in any realm of professional sports, that you're coming in knowing uh, what the end results can be as far as the the damage to your body, especially for pushing yourself for all of those years to tip top physical human shape and um, and will. So you're making an active choice to pursue something that uh, could potentially shorten your life. And because you're making that decision to do so, it is the responsibility of the, the organization to make things safe, mm-hmm. safer. Um, and because of that, we lost out on some of the physicality of the game. Um, but the way that it was going, and this is the old head in me, uh, the way that it was going, a lot of the fundamentals that went into um the game itself was was going away. You, no one's wrapping up tackling anymore because it's about getting a highlight. I'm going to throw oh. my head at you so I can knock you over and potentially get uh, uh, create a turnover. But gone are the days of meeting someone in the hole, getting lower than them and knocking them down. It's no, I I just want to put my shoulder in you and keep moving. Um, <laughs> some of the uh, the quarterbacks, the linemen, like some of the, the golden era-esque skills uh, get oh. overlooked because we're looking for highlights now. And I think that because the NFL got what, caught with their hands in the cookie jar, they're doing the best that they can to feign as if they're making a change. Um, once the players get guaranteed money and – uh, the owners let go of the hold and it becomes more of a player association. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'll get behind the idea that the NFL is actually out there for the players instead of it just being about the bottom line for the owners. Again, you play football a lot more than I have. Um, I played it sporadically in high school as far as like I'll do like with my friends outside or flag mm-hmm. football or two-hand touch, whatever the case may be. Um, Talk about the hardest hit that you gave someone and maybe the hardest hit that you ever received. Oh, shoot. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the hardest hit I ever caught was uh, on the kickoff return. Um, I was middle. Yeah. I wasn't back for – I wasn't back receiving the kick at all, but I was back for blocking purposes. Yeah. And – the yeah, the kickoff, just like normal. We're going out, um, waiting for – I forget who was back there receiving. Waiting for him to catch the ball. He caught the ball, and by the time I turn around to get ready to uh, start running forward for a block, there was a high-low situation there for me, and Ooh. I didn't fare out too well for it. Yeah. Did you lead a game, yeah. man? Because that shit sounded like 
my God. <laughs> no, I didn't leave the game. I got up, you know, a little blurry. Oh, uh, my God. Head was ringing a little bit. I was like, you all right? <laughs> and ironically enough, I think I was playing tight end at the time. So, ironically enough, I got right back up and got in the three-point stance and got ready for the next play. Uh, wow. But, yeah. Um, and the hardest hit that I've ever delivered – uh senior year we had uh I was playing free safety and I was against River Rouge. Okay. And they love running a post route. Um and I got a, a tip from the coach that they were gonna go t- to it. Um that was gonna be the next play call and to be ready for it. Mm-hmm. So I was waiting, um, baited the quarterback to throw the ball, <laughs> made it look as if I wasn't playing the post and I did everything in my power to separate that receiver from the ball. Um, <laughs> and the you need the satisfying sound of hitting someone and hearing them go, Ugh! that's yeah. what I was looking for. And I think I got that. Um, oh, man. Yeah. It's kind of good. Yeah. I, uh, when I play football here and there, um, I remember this uh, had to be 11th grade year. I was just playing with – my school actually didn't have a football team. Um, we just had other sports besides that. Um, mm-hmm. But I did, like, had other friends that went to different schools and they played football. And we were playing, and I had, honestly, like, I was in, what, 10th grade, I was, like, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, and I, like, sprouted up to, like, 6'1". So I wasn't even aware of how my body should react to certain stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> I was literally um, playing receiver and I ran and I caught the ball and I just wanted to do the moss and doing the T.O. And pretty much somebody went underneath me and I just, oh man, just, I remember falling on my head and I was just like, just there on the grass, like this shit hurts. Like my, my head was ringing, like you said, the head was ringing. Um, like I was just, I, I probably had a concussion. I didn't even know it, didn't even right. go to the hospital. And everybody just came running up to me. And I'm like, I hope I wasn't on the ground for a long, long time. But just that impact. And I was just, that whole day was just fuzzy. Like, I don't even know how I remember that now. And then I think with me, the hardest hit that I ever gave was, um, we're actually playing at Robichaud Field. Um, This is actually graduating out of high school. Uh, We we were playing football without pretty much without pads. We didn't have uh-huh. helmets or anything like that. Uh, dude was running um, on the sideline and I was just coming and he didn't see me. And literally he was going to get the touchdown. And I just, I don't know what I was doing. Like I said, I'm a basketball player. I'm not a football player. So <laughs> me trying to <laughs> tackle, I just did what I thought was best. I kind of forearmed him. And they just yeah. like did like a 360 in the air and went out of piles. I was like, oh shit. And I was like, yeah, this is football is a dangerous sport. Um, right. definitely. Uh, I guess my last question when it comes to football is um, do you think with the Aaron Rodgers situation, if you don't know, in the NFL draft this year, uh, they drafted a quarterback in the first round. They uh, drafted mm-hmm. Jordan Love from Utah State. And it was crazy because before the draft, I was like, yeah. Whoever gets Jordan Love, they're going to get a steal. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's decent. He's solid. 
I had no idea he was going to go to Green Bay. Um, how yeah. did you feel about that move by Green Bay's part to grab uh, a quarterback? Um, I mean, I don't know how old Aaron Rodgers is off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I think that he's getting on those last wheels, last legs there. Uh, if he yeah. hasn't started running on them already. Okay. So it made sense from uh, an organizational standpoint to start prepping for the future, kind of like what uh, they did with him and when Favre was still there. They mm-hmm. just went out and got a, a quarterback. But normally um, when you take somebody in the first round, it's to send a message to whomever has said spot that we're getting ready to move on from you. Gotcha. And um, I don't, I mean, they've been to the playoffs, but I think he only has, he's only won two rings, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe? No, he got one. He just got one in uh, 2010. So, in the last 10 years, he gave me one Super Bowl win on top of everything else that he's done for the organization and all. At some point, yes, it, it is going to be time to move forward. And it's, especially when you hit that, that 30 plus mark, your body yeah. starts to deteriorate. You're not going to play at that super high level um, after hitting 30 for the most part, just especially with how those guys get hit. The quarterback, um, the quarterbacks have it a little bit easier, especially if they're not mobile, um, mm-hmm. just because they're not taking a ton of hits now. But in that same breath, um, it, it was inevitable that they were going to like on my Thanos vibe. It, it was inevitable <laughs> that they were going to look to uh, start to replace them. And um, how many coaches has he been through now? I think mm-hmm. since he's been through a ton of coaches too. Mm-hmm. And at some point the organization, okay, bro, you got it, man. You, you got us that Super Bowl win X amount of years ago. You've been steady, but we haven't gotten over the hump. At some point, we're going to have to rebuild. And this could be them getting ready to say, all right, well, it's time for us to get ready to rebuild and move on. Yeah, I think, which I never thought I'd say this, I think that they kind of, it's kind of bold how they do Aaron Rodgers, but I do understand the business side of it. I don't uh-huh. know if they prepared him to say, yo, we're going to draft a quarterback, you know, give him a heads up. Like some of these franchises, they'll just do something and just say, hey, we, <laughs> this is a warning shot. Um, mm-hmm. I think Aaron Rodgers didn't never got the help that he should have received. Um, I thought they were going to do a trade for Odell. Um, I thought they were going to try to get some of these uh, key receivers that was on the market. Um, they didn't. Um, I thought I actually thought they were going to draft a receiver in the draft um i just think with aaron Rodgers, with he was in the mix of the peyton manning versus tom brady era uh then you know you have drew Brees, then you have your philip rivers although i feel like aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback i feel like sometimes he doesn't get enough shine because he is at green bay and because his teams are subpar like he won that one title and then they just go up and down they'll get to the uh, divisional playoffs, they'll get to a conference championship game, and they will just never go to the hump. They haven't been back to the Super Bowl ever since. So uh, with Green Bay, I think with that coach, I know that there was a lot of tension between them. Uh, when the coach came last year for his first year, he pretty much wanted to change the playbook. He wanted to get rid of certain things that Aaron Rodgers liked. Uh, Rodgers wasn't really co- – he was cooperative, but he didn't really agree on it. 
So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised, honestly, uh, if Aaron Rodgers, before the season starts, is not at Green Bay. You might see another, like, Brett Favre situation where he's just like, like F and I'm, I'm going to the Vikings or <laughs> I'm going here, you know. Um, we, You know, with your name being Saint, I'm, I'm guessing that you are a huge New Orleans Saints fan. Ah, yes. Who Who is that that said they're going to beat them Saints, man? I mean, Drew Brees only got us one, but a couple of them Minnesota games. So I went, to New, me. I went to New Orleans last year uh, for Mardi Gras. Great time, great time. Um, I didn't get an invite, by the way. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I got you. <laughs> I got you next time. Um, how mad were you how upset were you with that playoff with the referee the pass interference when i went to new orleans these people had his pitcher and had like a dial on a noose and they were like beating the noose down like a pinata like i was like whoa we go to the we go into ubers and be an ass and we ask each uber driver like how was it wait for you people say they cried people said they were burning stuff like it was crazy and you being a Saints fan, how how did you feel that day? How mad were you? I'll, I will keep it a buck with you. I am that I am that person that doesn't believe that one call is what will make or break a game. I feel right. like there's a ton of different calls and different plays that could have been made that weren't made that. Uh, the respective teams had the opportunity to make, but just didn't, whether it was a dark drop pass, a uh, missed block, um, a missed interception, or just a mental, a mental mistake. And while that was a very blatant and huge call to not go our way, there was three or four other drives that they had the opportunity to score on and they didn't score on and had we taken care of business and had we taken care of business during those times, then we wouldn't have been looking for a bailout from a ref. And I feel like when you're looking for a bailout from a ref, eight times out of 10, it doesn't go your way. Unless, um, unless, no, I think we were the home team when that happened. So I can't even say that you're the home team and you're getting bailed out that way. Like, no, I, I legitimately, as much as it sucked to watch and have to deal with the Vikings fans that I know, oh, I, I didn't blame that one call being the thing that, oh, that's why we lost. Now nah, we got into the end zone four times and kicked field goals on three of those four times. That's why we lost the game, not because they didn't call a pass interference play. Yeah. I, uh, my friend, one of my best friends, Shantae, her fiance, who is now her husband, uh, he, I think he was born in Louisiana, went to school out there, played football. He's one of the like huge Saint fans as well. And like she called me, I'm like, "What's up?" She's like, "I don't know what to say or what to do." He just dejected. He has not said anything since this game has ended. He was so upset. Uh, I I understand by just being out there last year how much that football team means to them. Uh-huh. Uh, they they love it and just to be you know pretty much robbed of that and not being able to reach Super Bowl it might have been was it against the LA Rams was it that last nah, year it was, it was uh 
that we lost to. Uh, both times it was the Vikings. Both, both years. Oh, both years it was the Vikings. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Last year it was the Vikings, and the year before that it was the Vikings. With the digs catching to the end mm-hmm. zone in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. So to me, I yeah, I was I I fell for you guys, man. Uh, what do you think the projection of this year for the Saints? You got Tom Brady in your divisions now. Um, got Atlanta. They they got. Uh, Depends on if Atlanta's hit or miss. Atlanta's usually hit or miss. Yeah. Tampa Bay, I I have to see him. Having Brady, although he's a great player, but arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen. Um, him being 40 plus, I I'm not overly sold and worried. And that defense isn't all that great, despite them having all of that offensive firepower now with Gronk mm-hmm. being there. Yeah. Um and I still think we win the division because I don't know who's Carolina. No. Yeah, Carolina's using Bridgewater. that quarterback that, that they had. Yeah, that um, we had to Teddy B. Yeah. And uh, he's solid, but their defense lost Luke Keekley. So, yeah, he retired. Yeah, I still think we, we went out in the division itself. I think it's really dependent on what Atlanta Hawks we get. Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Falcons that we get uh, this season. If we get the, the Super Bowl-esque Atlanta uh, Falcons, then we might be in for it. But if we get the, the Falcons for the last couple of years, we'll be all right. When do you think it's time to uh, for Drew Beast to hang it up? Do you think it's going to be his last year? I thought last year was going to be his last year, honestly. <laughs> Are you ready I for really the Tyson Hill era? Oh, we got Jameis Winston, too. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Are you ready for that air? <laughs> no. <laughs> he only signed a year deal, so he's fighting for that number two spot. Gotcha. Well, but I am ready for Taysom to take over. I, um, I'm a Colts fan, even though I don't even know who the quarterback's going to be right now. I don't know. Are you not a fan then? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know who the hell, uh, Brissett or, you know, of course, Luck retired. Um, they have Philip Rivers. Yeah, they do, but I, it's kind of like, man, you had a nice little squad last year with the Chargers. I thought they might have went to the Super Bowl. Uh, I know the AFC is pretty tough, though. Um, mm-hmm. We'll we'll see. Um, goes on. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I have no hope for the Jets at all or the Lions. So, yeah, I don't think they should just go ahead and disband the Lions as a whole. <laughs> Uh, I went to the game last year with Detroit Lions against Kansas City. Uh, mm-hmm. They played a great game. You're talking game. about when y'all gave up that game at the end of the uh... Yeah, when they <laughs> gave it up, man, the crowd was so dejected. And that just pretty much just deflated the whole season. And I don't like Matt Patricia as a coach. I think he's uh-huh. he just because he came from the Belichick family tree that he's given all this credit, like he's just this massive guru on defense and everything. I just think he's – terrible but uh you know i'm gonna give it time i'm gonna i'm gonna give it i'm not gonna be one of those lions fans that say oh yeah we got it this year no hell no like i'm just <laughs> i hope for the best i hope they at least with i think now i don't know if it's this year or next year they're adding an extra team to the playoffs so maybe they maybe they sneak in or something who knows now winning five games <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then yeah i think they won three last year so yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it but started right. off hot. Yeah, man. And, well, this is pretty much the end of our first episode. I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, we should have you 
this episode, whether on Spotify, Google Podcasts, some of the platforms that you listen to podcasts on. Uh, saying, is there anything you want to plug or anything you want to say? Uh, I am no good with plugs. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm really happy that we got this thing going and look forward to uh, diving in and picking more at each other's brain from a sports perspective here. Right, right. All right, I'll see everybody later. See you next episode. Okay.